Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 152. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Jared, it's great to have you here on the show. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing great. Unfortunately, we don't have Dom this week. Two-man show, Fireside Groove, as always. Um, in terms of what we've been playing, pretty slow week for me. Uh, played some more Super Mario Maker 2. I'm So there's 100 Mar- uh, Nintendo-created levels, Whoa. and I've been shipping away at it. And Were there a hundred for the first one? Uh, there was, I don't know if there was even. Uh, well, there was no story mode, but I think there was like yeah. some levels you could play to like get used to like building and stuff. Um, I don't know. Definitely not a hundred. Not even anywhere close. Yeah, um, I didn't think so. I've been shipping it away at it. Uh, I'm around. I'm in the thirties somewhere. Um, gotcha. Yeah, somewhere around there. I don't have a, a specific number, but around there. The cool thing is not only are there the the 100 levels that you play to um, build the castle up, right, and earn coins, there's, like, little mission levels you have to play where you have to rescue some of the toads that are working on the castle. So it's, like, an escort mission where you have to find them in the level and then not get hit with them with you, you know what I mean, and take them right. to the end of the level. And those are very sparse. Uh, sparse? Sparse. Spears? I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say they're spare levels and they're sparse. Like, like tongue twisted. Um, have you ever been to spares, Jared? Have you ever been to spares? Uh, they're a little bit challenging, but they don't come up super often. So it's not like it doesn't get monotonous or, you know, how escort missions can be in video games where they're kind of annoying to a certain extent. Honestly, um, those are the worst kind, like the, the Mario kind where you got a, a toad on your back or whatever. Those are like yeah. the most sinful escort missions. But they come up so rarely throughout uh, the story mode. Well, it's not really story mode, just like the levels you play, you know, um, that they don't feel as bad. And it does give a little bit of a refresher to the types of levels and the challenges you're going through with the, like, set of 100 levels to build the castle. Um, so I thought there was, like, an actual story to it. I, I mean, it's like... The the castle blows up, so you need a helper to build it. It's like a very loose Nintendo story, you know what I mean? Um, but it is in that realm of Nintendo story where it's like, save the princess from the castle. Exactly, yeah, but this time you're building your castle because, like, first of all, you need to rescue her, and then you're her cheap labor, so. Uh, <laughs> um, I've also been playing Apex Legends, enjoying Season 2 still, nothing really to report there that I haven't said in the last couple of weeks. Um, oh, um, Madden 20. Uh, mm. With EA Access, you're able to play it for 10 hours before the game comes out. Um, obviously, I'm a huge NFL fan, so I buy Madden every year. Um, I, I enjoy playing it. Uh, and I didn't dabble too much in it today because uh, the free trial went up today, the 10 hours for EA Access. And so here's the reason why I did EA Access, because I don't know if you remember, Jordan, me saying that I stopped having EA Access because I just didn't find a whole lot of value in it. Um, okay. So I was going to buy Madden. Madden is, you know, $63, $64, whatever the tax is, you know, when you buy a game for $59.99. Mm. EA Access is 5 bucks. If you get EA Access, you get 20 per, not 20%, uh, 12%. You get a percentage off of games, right? So basically yeah. the math was if I paid to get EA Access for a month of 5 bucks, the difference of me getting Madden for a cheaper price plus that is the same as I would pay outright. And I would get the free 10 hours to play before the game came out. So, like, might as well. Um, sure. Basically, get 10 hours for the same price. I've been playing it. Um, 
I didn't get a chance to do like the actual new stuff to the game. So, you know, which is the X Factor abilities that they added for superstars. I think the game launches with 50 players having them. Um, and obviously that'll change depending on how performances are throughout the NFL season in real life or how you upgrade players through like the franchise mode, right? And then the other big thing is the uh, face of the franchise, which is like the quote-unquote single-player mode that's replacing long shot. It's not as narrative story-driven. It's more of you taking sole control of a quarterback. Um, reading the achievements, it seems like there are some story elements, but it's kind of reverted back to a more... Uh, last week we talked about the 2K My Career mode. Remember when I was telling you, like, there's text message chats with players and it's, like, a very loose story. It's not, like, it was. it's not even close to long shot in terms of an actual narrative of specific characters, Structure. right? Um, it kind of reverted back to that, which is fine, but I haven't had a chance to play it. So I want to dip my toes in that and see how it is because it also added the ability to play um, the college football championship and you get to pick one of, I think, six prominent uh, universities to play at. So it's like Clemson, Alabama, uh, mm. Georgia, I think Florida State, Florida, and I can't remember the other team, but it's like some of the powerhouses, probably Notre Dame sure. or something. Sure. Um, so those are like the new things, and I haven't been able to – I didn't get a chance to play those. The thing I did hop into was Madden Ultimate Team, which is the card collecting game, which is the money maker for EA for that and for FIFA. But – yeah, the I thought you said but, so that's why I stopped there. I didn't, I, uh, one of the cool things they added, and this is um, a little in the details for people who play MUD, is normally, Jordan, you would go in, there would be these challenges you accomplish where it's like you get 500 coins for getting to this game and throw a 10-yard pass without making an incompletion, right? So you kind of want to throw one pass and complete it, and you're done with the challenge really quick, right? The frustrating thing is... Is, so those challenges get harder as you go on and as the rewards get better, right? Which makes sense. The frustrating thing is you would hop in there. It would take three seconds if you know what you're doing in Madden. Even if you don't, that's not that hard of a challenge. Then you'd have to get into the loading screen, go back to the main menu, find the next challenge, click on it, load in, do it. Then when you're done, so it was like a lot of the time you were wasting was simply on loading screens because... As the challenges progressed, they would be a little bit more involved. But when you started off, it was like, get in, do it, get out. You know, get in, do it, get out. And it was just loading screens, right? Especially somebody like me who's played Madden for so long. It was just like, I would get in, do the challenge in like five seconds, and then have to wait twice that for a loading screen. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. On the good side, twice that. Now, for this year, they added the ability to jump to the next challenge right away. So I finish a challenge when it comes up saying I completed the challenge instead of having to go back to the main menu. There's an option that says play the next challenge. You click on it. It shows you what that challenge is. So you know, if you want to attempt it, right? So you don't have to go through an additional loading screen to do something you're not even ready to do yet. You click on it, loads you right into the next challenge. So it cuts out all of that issue of having to go back to the main menu, find one, then go into it, then go back to the main menu, then go in. And I was able to rattle off a bunch of really uh, cool and difficult challenges. They added like these a star system, so you can actually scale the difficulty for each challenge for you too. So like the challenge I was telling you about of throwing one pass without a completion, two stars it would be make sure you gain 10 yards with that pass. Three stars would be score a touchdown with that pass, right? So like little modifiers that make it more difficult and the computer gets a little bit more difficult too as you add more stars. The reason the stars are important is they're not just there for difficulty, you earn those stars and you get coins for, for each star you get and then there's overall rewards in the menus of like 
when you reach 60 stars, you get an 86 overall quarterback, which is pretty good considering you're early oh, yeah. in the game and you don't have any of that, right? You start with like 60s it's a and 70s. plus player. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's just really cool and it flows and it helps you get in and out of challenges and the sense of accomplishment stays around. And you're just, if you're good at the game, it rewards you for being good because you could just get through all of, all of these challenges back to back to back without having to deal with the loading screens. So it's a really good quality of life uh, improvement there. And, you know, with a, a, the cynical side of it is with a game mode that makes as much money as Ultimate Team does, uh, they want you to stay in that game mode as long as possible. So every time you actually go to the main menu, there's a chance for you to either switch games or go to a different game mode, right? So the easier they make it for you to want to stay playing Ultimate Team, the more likely you are to spend money. So it makes sense from the business side, too, of why you want to make it as seamless as possible. Um, but yeah, enjoying it. I'll report more when I play the new, like the actual new stuff that was added to this game and talk about how that feels. But yeah, I just played some Madden. Uh, before recording, we talked about uh, um, comics we read. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but obviously Hickman's House of X came out, which is part of his 12-issue lead-up series to his X-Men series. It features House of X, which is six issues, Powers of Ten, which I don't know why they just don't call it Powers of X. Uh, <laughs> um, I've just seen it called Powers of X. On every Marvel interview I've heard, they when they talk to him, they say Powers of Ten. Power of Ten. I don't know why. I don't know if there's just maybe a weird, like, Marvel thing, and, like, everyone else is like, dude, it's just Powers of X, but they refer to it as Powers of Ten. they refer to the other one as House of Ten? No, they refer to it as House of X. That's why it's dumb. <laughs> it's, I, I hate it. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. You know, sense in, like, issue three, there's going to be some random bullshit where they're, yeah. like, explaining the title, and you're just like, god damn it. Fuck this. <laughs> exactly. Um, it enjoyed it. I mean, you obviously talked a little bit... Uh, more spoilery uh, before the show. Um, both excited to see where it goes, which is awesome. Um, read Amazing Spider-Man. Read a couple of other things uh, in terms like, of viewing. Oh, I, I didn't. Do you I, like Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah, I've enjoyed the series throughout. Because I gotta say, I think a big thing that I've noticed in comics is there's plenty of shitty writers, and there's a there's pretty few, like, incredible writers, right? Like, there's a ton of incredible game studios that make amazing video games. I think that there's, like, shit, less than 50 that are alive right now just, like, awesome comic creators. Uh, well, I think it's writer, because... Writer-wise. I think it's because they move on to, like, other stuff because the pay isn't great. So it's like they make their name Maybe. being great writers in the comic books and then they move on, you know? It's a great like, point, Jared. Yeah, um, I but, yeah I don't uh, think it's like blowing the doors down. I think the the Craven arc was really solid. I think the beginning of uh, Amazing Spider-Man with the clone stuff wasn't great. I really enjoyed the Craven stuff, and then this new stuff with Boomerang is like okay, but like it's my enjoyable like uh, junk food comic every week. Like I just like reading it. Yeah, um, I mean it's cool to have Spider-Man, even though he's barely Spider-Man in this book. I will say that much. It's so much Peter Parker, which is a big thing with me and superheroes. But uh, kind of what I was saying with the, the whole writer thing is I just think that, like I said, there's obviously shitty writers, but I think that the vast majority of comic writers, because of the, the format and the way it comes out and how 
quick you have to write it and how serialized it is, I guess. And put it in continuity and make sure you're connecting to this other event that's happening that you don't really have well, a connection to. Well, not even that. I'm more just talking about the almost rapidity of release. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that there's a lot of just really competent, solid, better than mediocre. I'm not saying they're just average. Nick Spencer reminds me of that where it's like, okay, this is a good book. I'm not going to put it down because it is solid. I am <clears throat> mildly enjoying myself, but it's not like some of the stuff that Donnie Cates is writing for them or something that like Mark Wade would write for Marvel where you're just like, okay, Zdarsky. I'm down. Like, let's go. Yeah. Like this Brian Michael Bendis shit, right? Like, he gets you there every issue. And I think that's another thing in comics is you have a lot of solid writers who write decent good even good or pretty good stories but there's so many issues that just uh, i don't want to use the term throwaway but that you just don't need them you know yeah and it's like how much of that is like obviously some of it's the writer's fault but also the medium like you said and not being able to like release uh like a trade as a whole story and i think there's a lot more that can go into creating like a better ecosystem of great writers if the medium is willing to open up to different types of releases with comic books and their stories yeah good who luck. knows good luck with that jared <laughs> yeah um, um shout out to rick remender he's one of those guys that i don't think i've ever read i've read you know probably four or five of his series at this point i'll say deadly class just so you kind of know who i'm talking about but um I don't know if I've ever read an issue, probably hundreds of issues of his now. don't know if I've ever read an issue that I was like, I could have done without that. Every single one is at least like a, a really quality time. You're enjoying yourself through all 20 pages. He teams up with great artists, and so I think every time he, he really nails it. It's creative control too, man. Like being able to like yep. have creative control over that is yep. is great too, and leads to better storytelling. Um, the last thing I want to touch on before we get into everything you did, uh, Shazam finally watched Shazam. Finally oh was remember how we talked about last week that I wasn't able to rent it; you can only buy it. Oh um, yeah, dude. That logistical bullshit with digital releases. Tell me about it. The following day, I guess, uh, or somewhere around there maybe a couple of days after. I don't remember exactly when I watched Shazam. But when we talked about it on the podcast, it was because earlier in that week, I had checked on, like, various sites, YouTube, uh, you know, iTunes, all of that, and it was, like, 17 bucks. The day after we finished recording, it was available for rent for, uh, I think, four ninety nine on YouTube. Great. Paid 5 bucks. Got to watch it. Um, really enjoyed it. We talked about this in our own group chat. It's... Probably my favorite of the DCEU movies. Obviously, out of us three, I mean, Dom probably hasn't seen half of them. I was a a lot higher on Justice League than you were, and Batman vs Superman. I don't remember that. Um, and then I don't, Aqu- I don't know where you fell with Aquaman. Dude, Aquaman as an action movie is super dope. Even though I do agree with people that say like, even for the action. It, it goes a little much. You know, there might be like one too many or two too many uh, action scenes where it's like, all right, we got it. It reminds but, uh, me a lot of for like... For the most part, loved loved the action, I should say. Not not the movie. It's not a great like film. It reminds me of like uh, early X-Men films in a way. Like it's like, yeah. you know... Uh... <laughs> well, it reminds me of more like an animated series sort of thing. Yeah. Know? I, I think it was like, enjoyable. The story here may not be, uh, you know top of the charts but it's really fun to watch 
Exactly. Shazam, I think, far and away is the is the best film in the DCEU, which oh isn't like God, a dude. It's a so high bar to fucking set. funny. And I'll tell you, I really like this approach for Shazam. I don't think it works for every movie. Maybe not for Deadpool too. But the approach of just like we're gonna make as many jokes as we can possibly jam into this fucking movie, right? And you're gonna laugh at some of them. Because you just, like, we're going to hit the dartboard eventually, right? Yeah. And they just go for it, and not every single one of them works, but I would say that the vast majority of them do, and I laughed out loud more with that movie than any other movie in a long time. Certainly more than shout non-shout-out to long shot. Couldn't even finish it. But, uh, dude, Shazam is, like, honestly, top-tier superhero movies... It's a top-tier comedy. Like, a lot, lot of great things I can say about Shazam. I will just say this, Jared. Hands. Lightning from my hands. Lightning from, from my hands. hands. Yeah. Lightning from my thing. hands. Uh, Dude, that's the, probably the funniest scene of any movie this year. I love seeing Jerry from Walking Dead in a movie. He's one of my favorite, yeah. like, I love that guy. He's just, like, really enjoyable. Um, yeah. You know, dis- despite lot, all the issues Walking Dead has had. A lot of great acting in that movie. A lot of great uh, actors. And uh, the kids, I think, are awesome. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for Shazam. Uh, anything you want to touch on? What have you checked out uh, this week? Played anything? Watched anything? Yeah, so gaming-wise, I played a little bit of one game. And... I gotta say, Jared, I did not enjoy my time. And the name of that game is Crash Team Rach- Racing Nitro Fueled. Um, and it's more—it's about the drift, Jared. It's all about the drift, because you know, hate me for it if you want, but obviously you're gonna compare this game to Mario Kart, because for one, there's just not enough kart racers to compare it to, and two, it is the gold standard. So. Um. Yeah, the there's plenty of stuff about Mario Kart that is utter bullshit, and it's not even close to perfect. So I'll say that. But the drifting in Mario Kart is flawless. It's like what people say about the shooting in Call of Duty. You know, Jared. This is what we're talking about here. This is the the type of thing, uh, the type of bar that you want to hit when you're making one of these kart racers, and. The, I don't know, some people may love it, some people may think it, it the drift itself in uh, Crash, or the slide as it's called, uh, blows Mario Kart out of the water, but I just can't fucking get down with it, man. I really tried, I really tried to, to get used to it, and to give it a try, and see if maybe it was just me, but, and I, I do plan on giving it another try, but. Uh, so far, it has not been a good experience. I think that the tracks are really beautiful. I think that uh, the characters look good and the music is, is good. Um, I would say it's a lot more bare bones as a kart racer. Um, and I think, well, like there's plenty of customization and stuff like that. I mean like the actual stuff that you're doing on the track. I don't think that the strategy of the items is anywhere near Mario Kart. And I think the the overall experience that I was getting, you can tell that it's not on the same level, you know? I think that it's a high 
quality production in a lot of ways, but um, I don't know. A lot of people seem to like it and think it's better and more skill-based than uh, Mario Kart. I would say in the sense that it doesn't have as much of the rubber banding, yes. But in the sense of the actual moment-to-moment uh, -moment gameplay and the pure input of the controls while driving I just I, it's really not there for me and so like I said I'll try to get back to it and see if I'm just crazy and if I can't get acclimated at some point but yeah I just wasn't feeling it so um, have you you haven't played it no I'm not a big car racer guy to begin with and even back oh. in the day when I was a huge crash guy I never played uh, team racing so gotcha now, I did not play the original Team Racing games either, even though I do really enjoy myself a kart or arcade racer. But, um, yeah, I guess that's all that I, I have to say about that for the moment, because I didn't play it too much. I just played it enough to know. It wasn't tickling my fancy. It wasn't uh, floating my boat, if you will. So, uh, next... Uh, continuing on with season two of Hannibal, Jared, and I gotta tell you, it's incredible. Um, way better than season one. I think season one is really good. I think season two is fucking awesome. Um, and the show certainly has issues, I think, with the subject matter. There is a little bit of ridiculousness to it, if you get my meaning, with like, they're kind of like super villain serial killers, you know? Yeah. So, it gets... I mean, it, it gets like uh, a little too wild for reality in the first place, but it also just kind of has some leaps in logic, I guess what I'm saying. Like and Dexter then, levels, or...? Who only watched season one of Dexter, but I would definitely say yes. Or okay. it's like, how, how could a human being truly accomplish these things? You know what I mean? So do you, real quick, do you mind if I spoil something about Dexter to explain why I asked Not that question? Not at all, because I've heard it drops off. So I've never watched all of Dexter either. I've only watched like, the first two episodes. But one of my friends, it's funny, one of my friends was super obsessed with Hannibal, but then it got canceled. He was super upset. Sure. Sure. A different friend entirely loves Dexter. It's one of his favorite <coughs> shows. He does admit he doesn't like how it ended, but he really loves Dexter. So apparently in the last couple of seasons, and this is secondhand told from somebody who's watched the show, so it might not be perfect for people out there who have watched Dexter and like, oh, you're not 100% correct. So apparently he's actually possessed by like this universal demon that embodies like embodies killing Comic or something. book bullshit? <laughs> yeah, like embodies killing and then he has a kid and he passes on the demon to his kid or something. No yeah, it's like, way. It's like something like Fucking that. Yeah. A. Yeah, yeah, I might end up going through Dexter at some point. Who knows? I won't say that. But that's the most enticing thing. Because it, <laughs> it starts as a show is like, oh, this is a serial killer who works as a, a crime scene investigator or whatever he is. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. It's a, a neat premise. And then it's like, nah, he's actually possessed by this like universal killing demon. And it's like, Jesus, what a leap. So, yeah, yeah that's what I was asking. The That's basically the plot of Hannibal, even though it's not strictly like that. Like Hugh Dancy's character isn't just an FBI agent. It's more complicated than that. But that's basically what's happening is like you have Hannibal the... <clears throat> serial killer but he also 
is, is like really closely involved with the FBI and even does investigate some crime scenes with them. So definitely similar vibes there. Um, but it's a great show. It is masterfully crafted and created. It is uh, just like the music. I know I talked a lot about the visuals and the depth of the the darkness in the picture. Um, but this season two, I've really been focusing on the music, which was good in season one as well, but like to the next level in this one, um, just perfectly encapsulates what the series is going for, but is also extremely experimental and is just really far out there and tries a lot of cool stuff. So I really appreciate the score a lot and think that it is... I would say miles above a lot of scores for even some of the best TV shows. I think a lot of the best TV shows don't have the best music, you know? And um, wasn't Hannibal's uh, was originally a net, uh, network television show, correct? NBC, dude. You would yeah, not believe Which this is even more surprising. Dude, straight up, except for nipples and F-bombs, this is an HBO show. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Like, with the level of gore that you're seeing, you honestly would not believe it. And I will say that it is not just the most disturbing show, but it is some of the most disturbing entertainment media I have ever watched in my entire life. And it's bearable, but I, like I've said, have to take it in small doses. And it is... But that... It's... It deserves to do that. Like, it... It's not just pulling like gags for bullshit. It's just going there in a really yeah. cool way. It's and not it just gore not, porn. It there's a reason exactly. to it. Exactly. It's not yeah. torture porn, but it has got some fucked up shit in there. So I would just say, as someone who is not uh, faint of heart, if you are, I would stay well away <laughs> from this fucking show, man. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure I'll keep praising Hannibal in the near future, but that's my take for this week. Uh, besides that. Let's see here. Continued on with Mob Psycho 100 Season 2. And I know you don't like the animation on this show, Jared, but I find it really interesting. I also don't necessarily like it. You know, like, it's kind of like how people think love pugs because of how ugly they are. I'm like, yeah, no thanks. I'd rather just have a cute dog, you know, or a like, cool yeah, dog. <laughs> There's no point to me where ugly becomes cute. It just remains ugly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And so that's the same thing here. Like, I'm not like, oh, it's so ugly that it's cute. I'm like, no, it's fucking ugly. Until, you know, this is done by Bones, who I've talked about being, you know, in my opinion, the best animation studio. So they're doing shit like My Hero Academia, or maybe one of the best looking anime of all time in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And then they're also doing this, where they're really perfectly translating the simplistic and... um just kind of goofy looking art that one does the author of the manga and they've uh they didn't do one punch man but you see that as well in that series and then uh when they want to like sharpen up a character and make them look like a real cool looking anime character they do and i think that that works really well because of how ugly the rest of the series is right so yeah that part at least is really interesting to me and I do like the rest of the show enough to where that doesn't bother me too much um, 
but yeah, I'm, I think that so far season two is has the potential to potential to be better than season one, and uh, I definitely it is kind of an underdog show, not in the sense of its popularity, but just kind of like it has things going against it, and yet it still has a cool heart to it. So I do appreciate that, uh, even though it is kind of like ugly as sin for a lot of those characters. Um, but yeah, shout out to that show. Um, I shouted out uh, G Gundam and how cool the fucking Gundams are, Jared. And I just gotta say one more fucking time, G Gundam has the fucking coolest Gundams. Do you know of any of these Gundams? Like, uh, no. Are you familiar with any of them? I, I couldn't point one out in a lineup. No. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's basically just Gundams from all these different countries of the world, and some of them are really stereotypical, but nonetheless, it's really fucking cool. Some of them are absolutely incredible and just such creative Gundam designs and mech designs. Um, I love the one, I think it's Norway, uh, that's the Viking Gundam, and it's, uh, shoulder plates are like the curved edge of a Viking ship, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, cool. It's got kind of like a Gundam beard, it has horns coming off of its helmet, so, um, that's just another example of, of some of the really cool shit that they have going on, uh, with these various designs so i would say just check the the designs out on google even if you don't feel like watching the show jared because i know you do appreciate a good gundam so a good gundam um good gundam should we hop into quickie news so i'm trying to think if there's anything else i want a quick shout out real quick um Finish Teen Titans, Jared. Gotta, gotta fucking shout out Teen Titans. That's what I'll say. I still need to watch Teen Titans go to the movies. It's on my Dude, list of stuff I want to watch. It's not on the level of Shazam, but for an animated movie, as stupid as it is and should be, it's going to get you kind of in the same way that Shazam did, where you're like, you know what? I fucking like you, man. You're yeah. cool. It's going to get you in that same way, and you're enough of a DC fan to appreciate a lot of the stuff, even though it really fucking goes there as far as references go. So it it does stuff like it doesn't want you to know some of these characters that they're referencing so that you can get a kick out of it. So um, Teen Titans Go to the Movies is fucking fantastic. The original Teen Titans series is fantastic. Yep. Uh, really enjoy the way that it wrapped up, even though... Like I said, for the final season, they kind of did a continuous storyline, which they hadn't been doing. They had this big comic book style uh, Brotherhood of Evil story. So um, it, the only weird thing is that finishes with episode 12 of season 5. And so then season 5, 13, that what it ended up being the series finale is more just like a regular episode. And so that was kind of odd because clearly, you know, they weren't necessarily just ending the show like they like I kind of felt like they were with the the final storyline Brotherhood of Evil yeah so um, I'll just say fantastic series I watched the movie Trouble in Tokyo and that is really cool because um, Teen Titans is like the part of really the starting the wave 
after America got into anime in the late 90s and early 2000s with Pokemon and Dragon Ball, stuff like that. Uh, Teen Titans is part of these American shows like that or Samurai Jack or Avatar The Last Airbender that um, are attempting to essentially be American-made anime. And it obviously totally wears that on its sleeve. It's, it has stuff ripped straight from anime. Um, and so when they actually go to Tokyo and they're connecting all these cool references, that really makes a lot of sense for the series, obviously, and is uh, really fun and just a, a cool movie. So um, there's that. And then I'll also give a, a shout out to Teen Titans Go because uh, the movie is great and the series doesn't get enough love because people just want the OG Teen Titans series, but... You have five great seasons of that. You have two movies now for the two series. And Teen Titans Go, for what it's trying to be, is does a great job and still really respects the Teen Titans and the original show. So And just DC in general. So I really appreciate it. And I am quite excited now to see uh, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans later on this year. So shout out to the motherfucking Teen Titans. And shout out to the comic too. I know I talked a while ago about uh, them switching up the lineup too much and it was kind of annoying. But this new lineup, uh, Crush has been fighting her father, Lobo, recently. And uh, they've got a cool lineup going right now. I, I like how they've brought this team together. Jin, Lobo, or Crush, uh, Wallace West, Flash, Kid Flash. Um, obviously Damian Wayne and uh, Speedball? Hardball? I don't know, some blue kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it's a cool it's a cool little comic and so just fucking big ol' shout out to you know what Jared? You ready for this? My favorite superhero team of all time the Teen Fucking Titans. Awesome, I can get behind that. Not my choice, Dude, but it's the, not something I'm going to goff at. It's a solid choice. The series, the, what, finishing the series and like all the stuff I just talked about, it's solidified for me. I fucking love them. And obviously I love the Justice League. They're probably like the best superhero team of all time, but fucking Teen Titans, that's my fucking gang right there. So, Let's hop into some news now. Uh, sure. First, so we got a couple of quickie news stories, and we got June MPDs and then some news about Nintendo uh, so the cookie news stories, one, uh, I'm actually really stoked about both of these. One, uh, Control has gone gold. So it's going to hit there its August go. 27th release date. Uh, Remedy, obviously, uh, me and you were higher on Quantum Break than a lot of people. Um, very mm. underrated studio. I can't wait. It's one of my most anticipated games this fall. Um, it is my most anticipated game. It's, uh, I really hope it, I hope this does a lot for Remedy in the in the bigger uh, picture in terms of, yeah. like, the casual gamer. Uh, sucks that there's some, like, PlayStation-exclusive stuff, but I get it. You know, Remedy's games don't necessarily sell particularly well, and, you know, their games have been Xbox-exclusive for a long time, so can't get mad that it swung the other way a little bit. Um, still playing it on Xbox, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, I'm still playing it where I want to play it, but, yeah, I'm really excited that that went gold. Uh, second story, uh, we talked about Super Real Mario. Real quick, Jared, has there ever been anything like that that was so fucking important, you know? Has there ever been, like, some 
console exclusive content that like looking back on it hindsight 2020 it's like oh if you didn't have that the game just wasn't the same you know I, i've never i think it's the bullshit old, the the one part where it did make a difference was destiny and destiny 2 because some of those strikes had specific items or uh gave like there's some stuff in destiny where you would there's like a rotation of strikes and there would be there's there'd be a benefit to there being an extra strike in the playlist and because playstation had an extra strike it would benefit playstation gamers more than xbox people um or even the guns that came to mind, and I do think that that is probably the best example. Still, I don't think it's detrimental to the experience. You know? The one thing I will say is if Spider-Man's in, if Spider-Man is in Marvel's Avengers and he ends up being console exclusive, that's going to suck a lot. It's going to be really irritating. I, I really don't think he is. I no, I don't think so like, either. I'm just saying, like, that would be fucked up. I think you're going to have like cost content. Exclusive. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, too, I've never bought a game on a certain console because of the content. Obviously, I've bought consoles for exclusive games, but exclusive content has never really pushed me one way or another. Uh, I tend to justify it in my mind one way or another, you know what I mean? To fit the. (laughs) They want to, like, have the exclusive deal so they can get paid extra and they can, like, you know, get paid extra. But uh, they don't want to piss people off, so they don't make it too fucking important. Yeah, and. If it's like if CD Projekt Red had exclusive content on Xbox or PS4, that would irritate me because they've shown that their games can sell really well, right? So they don't need it. Yeah. I'm not saying that they would ever do it because that's not their philosophy, but just in this example, Remedy on the other hand, their games haven't sold particularly well, so I understand it. Like I want yeah. Remedy to be around, and sometimes these are the deals they need to make. You know what I mean? Mm. Marvel's Avengers, Square Enix, that game's going to sell a ton. That kind of rubs me a little gross, um, or Destiny. The remedy thing right. is a little bit more acceptable because yeah, of who like, they are. you guys don't fucking need to do this shit. Fuck off. And I, I doubt it was Square Enix going to PlayStation. It was probably PlayStation going to them. It would be my assumption because of the whole split yeah. with Destiny, right? So it's like they don't have that anymore as like a this is our exclusive content third party thing. Um, yeah. Next up, other bit of quickie news. Super Mario Maker 2 has upgraded the number of levels you can upload to online from 32 to 64. So literally doubling the number of levels you can upload. And they tease that there's going to be another upgrade in the future. Some people think it'll double again. So you'll have 128. 32 is pretty fucking low, dude. Yeah, but to the point you have to remember that the first game didn't really have great uh, curation tools. So it's like they didn't want to over flood with everybody being able to upload a ton but at least they doubled it and it's like we're when did when did it come out june so we're like about a month uh, yeah about a month june 26 actually yeah so almost a month literally um let's get into these june 2019 mpds uh the month's top five sellers Uh, and i'll explain some of these because they might be surprising number five minecraft if people don't know recently minecraft has had another resurgence um through it's actually on YouTube and Twitch, it's starting to compete again with Fortnite, and in a lot of viewership numbers, it's been passing wow. Fortnite recently. Um, people forget how what huge is Minecraft cause? is. Um, partially, the YouTube space has gone back to it, uh, and also I think me personally, I think it's because people are getting tired of Fortnite, and what people don't understand is that Fortnite was largely based on the kids who grew up playing Minecraft, right? 
it was kids playing Minecraft, and then they sh went and like, oh, I'm getting older. I want to play a shooter now. Oh, a shooter that includes building. I've been building in Minecraft for a long time, and I think it was a natural progression of interest. But then, as Fortnite got really popular, then it's like, well, let's just go back and play Minecraft, you know? And even on YouTube, I think it was the same thing of content, of it getting overflooded of the Fortnite content. Because for a long time, Minecraft is what made YouTube gaming huge, right? It was all over the site, like millions and millions of views. I just think, you know, people forgot how big Minecraft was. It's not like it went away and it stopped having millions upon millions of players. I think it's that Fortnite was the hot commodity, and then people are like, we're done with that. Let's go back to what we were familiar with, and Minecraft's back there. Um, the crazy thing is it's we're not talking about player base. We're talking about sales, which means there's – it could be also, Jordan, another generation of kids – you know, mm. getting old enough to play Minecraft. We're in the Lil summer. Bro. Big bro's teaching little bro. Hey, man, you got to check out this Minecraft. Yep, maybe it's a lot of these kids' first summer off of school where their parents are allowing them to play video games. They're like, Minecraft has always seemed awesome. You don't know. There could be a number of options. You know, kids growing up playing Minecraft mobily, then finally getting a console and buying it on there. Who knows? Number four, GTA Five. This has a lot to do with the new content push that included the gambling controversy thing that's recently been in the news um, of allowing people to buy currency and gamble in the game. Apparently that feature has recently in the last week been blocked in 50 countries. Um, but because it was a new update with new content outside of that, it got back in the mix in terms of top sellers. Huh. Number three, Mortal Kombat 11. No reason there, just it got good reviews and it's continuing to sell well. Obviously, it sold well the month it came out. We're also getting closer to Evo. Uh, so, there's that. Uh, number two, a game you talked about, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Pretty impressive, yeah, coming in at number two. Um, we have a little bit of news on terms of its specific sales a little bit later. Uh, and number one, Super Mario Maker 2. Even though it came out like the 26th, obviously it dominated, and that's not including digital sales, uh, which I know a lot of people probably bought it digitally. I myself bought it digitally, so um, it's crazy that's number one without that. Um, I should say about Crash, very solid remake, and I really appreciate that now. Like I said, the exact input experience as far as drifting goes and driving um, that may be a, a separate opinion, but I, I really appreciate what they've been doing with the Crash uh, Insane Trilogy and uh, Spyro and now the CTR. I think that those are some of the best remakes coming out, and we're clearly in a renaissance of remakes. So, Yeah. Oh, my childhood, man. Nostalgia. Uh, now let's talk about the top-selling games as of June 31st for the entire year of 2019. We got some bad news for you, Jordan. Your your Kingdom Hearts 3 no longer holds a top spot, but we'll get to that. So coming in at number five, RE2. Not bad news. That game does not deserve <laughs> to still hold the top spot. There's another game in the top five that doesn't deserve to be there, which you'll hear rather shortly. Number five, Resident Evil 2 Remake, still holding on. That's great. Solid game. Can't wait to get to it around October. Number four, Anthem. Still there. <laughs> Once it like you just said, a game that doesn't deserve to be in the top five. Like Though how, I think how are you guys not fucking able to support that shit if it's one of the top five selling games of the year? Like Yeah. But it seems like they've given up on it, have they? Yeah, I would think so. But you also think have to think about how well that probably sold at launch. So how much of it sitting in the top four is the launch sales? Like the yeah. fall off, you know what I mean, of sales since then. Who knows? Uh, number three, the division two, but this will likely be number one 
uh, when we see July's MPDs because Ubisoft basically talked about them having the best selling game of the year so far here in the month of July. So next month we'll probably see the Division 2's number one. Obviously we talk um, about Ubisoft always has a game that sells extremely well. Sorry to stop us again, but holy shit, Jared. Dragon Age 4 or 5, whatever the fuck it is, is our only hope for Bioware. Well, and the fact that... Not, Anthem... I don't think they're totally dead if it's not successful, but wow. Yeah. Um, it's... With Anthem, it, it's... It's the whole... I think we can get into this on another podcast entirely, but I agree with you sure. that like Dragon Age 4 is going to say a lot about uh, the direction of Bioware and how we should Holy treat them moving forward. Shit. Um, now that we're, we're several months away, it's just like looking at the destruction... I won't go too far into it. I, I'm just utterly in awe, in shock of, of the path that Bioware has taken these last few years. Well, and the, the, this to me, like Anthem showed how overblown the Fallout 76 thing was in terms, let me finish because I know it's going to sound very divisive, in terms of them supporting it post-launch and making it better. Like at E3, they announced two new, yeah. the, the Battle Royale and all of this expansion stuff are completely free for people who bought it, which you can have your issues with the game shouldn't be released broken. I understand that. But looking at yeah. Anthem, we're asking, are they completely removing support from the game? And this is like months later. Yeah, Fallout 76 I'm, came I'm, out I'm, late 2018, you know? I'm wondering, is Anthem ever going to have that? And I don't oh, think no. EA will do that. I think that is... You know, Bethesda are obviously assholes for the way they release that game, I think. But at least they would be like, we fucked up, we gotta fix it, you know. So I don't think EA will do the same, and that's very sad. It's one thing to screw up and then actually work towards fixing that and screwing up and trying to sweep it under the rug, you know. I can respect one a little bit more than the other. Well, not even sweep it under the rug, but just act like, what? Like, you just punch your friend in the face, and then you're just like... What? Why are you upset? Yeah, I mean, and they're also lucky that they had Apex B. Obviously, it's dipped off in terms of mass numbers, but, like, it's still, like, a very solid game. And if not for Respawn, they'd be in an even worse place. You know what I mean? EA in general. Yeah. And East, uh, Respawn's like, guys, we're, like, walking through this swamp water right now. We're just trying to get above ground. Like, let us get there. We're carrying you. You know what I mean? Carrying the Dude, whole way. yeah, of like, think if you're Respawn that just got bought by them and then... Yeah, basically what you're saying. You're the only like lifeline of quality games outside the sports ecosystem. So and it's, it's only because like, they have the creative freedom. Like if they didn't have that, we'd probably see them going through the same struggles. Um, like a, a big uh, confusion is that people think the Apex is built on the frostbites of it's not. Uh, Vince Ampella basically told him like, "Hey, we're making this on Unreal, <laughs> so it's not on Frostbite." And that's is why that it's la- uh, not Last Jedi, but. Uh... Fallen Order as well. Yeah, almost every game for EA. Oh, you're talking about is it on Unreal? I'm pretty sure it's also yep. on Unreal. Um, though I could be wrong about that. I know 100% Apex is on Unreal. Um, but obviously, you see that it's a lot easier for them to build on that because it's a developer's friend in terms of a, a game engine. Um, let's get a to the rest. Lament for Bioware. Let's get to the rest of these top selling games for 2019. <laughs> Uh, number two, Kingdom Hearts 3, finally fell off. Like we said, shouldn't be there. Um, I still want to... Uh, 
I say I want to go back and finish it. I don't know if I actually do, <laughs> but we'll see if that ever happens. Yeah. Um, and number one, Mortal Kombat 11, number one selling game of the year so far. But like I said, next month it'll get passed by Division 2. Um, but for go. a fighting game to be, hold that spot, Netherrealm, man, despite all of the weird uh, like microtransaction-y heart stuff they had at the launch, they still managed to sell very well. Uh, I'm excited for Injustice 3 um, on next gen. Can't wait. Ooh, hey. Uh, other news for June MPDs. Uh, Nitro Refueled set the... Uh, Nitro Fueled, sorry. Crashing Racing. Set the franchise's launch month total sales record. It passed Insane Trilogy. So it's like the best launch month for a Crash game ever. Um, which we talked about it being number two for the month. Not a surprise. Um, this is really cool in Jordan. Marvel Spider-Man came in at number seven in June. Probably, obviously, due to uh, Far From Home's release. Got a nice resurgence there, people being stoked about it. As far as the movie, Far From Home recently passed a billion dollars. And if those rumblings and rumors are to be believed, it means that Marvel will have a chance to make more Spider-Man movies. Because apparently, there was this thing that if Far From Home didn't pass a billion dollars, that they would have to like renegotiate the Spider-Man deal or something. But if it did pass a billion, Marvel can make another movie. I don't know. It's yeah. like a weird thing. Um, but Jared, super quick. Most most excited uh, thing that you're most excited for in Phase Four. So Blade isn't Phase Four. I'm just talking to myself on this. That's okay. not Phase Four. That's not Phase Four. Under the assumption, because if it goes by the what two year release cadence, if what if Jared? What if is dope for you? I am more excited for the animated series What If, surprise for me, than anything else in Phase 4 that I've heard about. Other than maybe Doctor Strange too. Doctor Strange, the fact that it's going to be like the first scary Marvel movie gets me excited. Oh! Dude, um, I'm so excited for the first MCU horror flick. Also, the fact that they said that, I really think we're, that's where we're going to see... Mahershala Ali as Blade first. I think he's going to pop up in that Doctor Strange movie to lead into oh, his own God movie. damn. So, I think it was kind of funny that I was talking about the uh, Taika Waititi's vampires from What We Do in the Shadows. Being in it. Up, <laughs> yeah. Which, um, I don't know who made the film, but the show is on FX. Yeah, and Disney owns FX now, so. Dude, that would be so fucking dope if they had a cameo in a like via blade somehow um it's tough i would say to my original point if we assume that spider-man hits the same release cadence spider-man yeah. 3 is up there for me but considering if going by i know the the point of the question was everything we saw announced i would say well i did just say phase four and now that i'm thinking about it it's obviously guardians volume three for me if that ends up in phase four I would say the Eternals because I have optimism in, you know, we went into Guardians not knowing exactly what it was, and it's not going to be the same thing. But I've heard these ideas of what if it's, it's not like an old space age high fantasy tale of way, 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 way back when, when the Eternals were first getting started. What if it's, we see them throughout time because they're like yeah. immortal essentially, Right. And the the jokes and stuff that can happen in the settings with, like, Kumail Nanjiani and all these other actors. Yeah. And I really do think that they're going to be 
the introduction of the mutants. I think that's. I right. think that movie is going to show how X Men come to be, and for that sole reason, Jordan, that's why I'm excited. Not excited, not necessarily. Oh, the Eternals, but what it could mean for the MCU moving forward. That's why like, Doctor Strange is the there too. History of the Marvel Universe comic that came out this week. Have it downloaded. Planning to get to it, dude. Dude, it base. It's kind of weird because it basically has the story that they're telling in comic form, and then it does the same thing, but in like encyclopedia form i don't know if you need to read it twice if you get it after the you read the comic version at the beginning um but i appreciate how thorough they're being and like really explaining all this wild bullshit that if you try to watch you know comics explained or comic story and or anybody like that on youtube trying to wrap your head around the history of the marvel or dc universe is just wacky so um i can appreciate them trying to kind of be like these are the beings that created the universe and all this shit and then they reference in the back of the book like fantastic four number 275 thor number 169 the year came out so if you really want to dig that deep into it um i appreciate what they're doing there you know the last MPD, uh, as we hop into the last story, which involves uh, <laughs> Nintendo. No, I, I agree. I just didn't have anything to reply to. No, on no, that, no. Yeah. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just like, I guess I'm going to figure out a way to make this a comic book podcast <laughs> by the end of my days. Uh, so the Nintendo Switch was the best-selling hardware unit in, do- in unit and dollar sales for June and in the first six months of the year. We've talked about this every time MPDs come out. It's not surprising. It's the freshest console in the market. We're gearing up for next-gen uh, the Switch Lite, best believe that it's going to sell astronomically. Um, so we don't know about Switch Pro. Do you think that next-gen consoles are going to hurt Switch with it looking, you know, really inferior graphically? I think that whatever, if either Super Mario Odyssey 2 or Breath of the Wild sequel comes out first, I think Pro launches day and date with what it, whatever one comes first. But to answer your question, I think it will be inferior, so, so I do think they're going to be pitching a pro. And So you don't think we'll get, like, pro spring of next year and Breath of the Wild 2 in the fall? Possibly, but we could get Super Mario Odyssey in the spring, because remember, they both came out, the first ones came out in the same calendar year. It'd be announced by now, right? Possibly, but remember, like, Nintendo does directs throughout the year. They could easily do a direct in September and then have that... Jesus, Jared, don't do this to me. <laughs> um... Let's get into this last story. We talked about Joy-Con drift and how irritating it was last week. Ooh. Uh, Nintendo you know I love a good drift, but not this kind. Nintendo, which that's funny. Yeah, call back to the, the Crash Team Racing. Uh, Nintendo is actually making good on it, and this is actually surprising. So this comes way of Owen Good at Polygon. He wrote up the story. Um, I wrote up my own take on everything I read. So with all of the recent buzz surrounding the Nintendo Switch's Joy-Con drift problem, Nintendo has made drastic changes to their return repair procedures and policies. Not only will they repair, not only will the repair be free, and those who have already paid to send them in to get repaired can get now get refunds, but Nintendo also won't be asking for proof of purchase or documentation confirming hardware is still under warranty. So this is huge. So if you experience Joy-Con drift, basically what Nintendo said on a memo to all of their uh, customer service saying, believe people if they tell you they're experiencing Joy-Con drift, they get to replace it for free. If people calling in, if people call in saying they already paid for it, and they ask for a refund, they get a refund. So wow. This is huge. This Nintendo, is wild, man. Nintendo doesn't usually act like this, but 
we've seen a lot of backlash, and I think they notice how crazy it is. This is the second part to this, Jordan. Nintendo had recently come under fire for the issue and recently had a class action lawsuit filed against the company by American consumers. Though the issue shouldn't have existed in the first place, this is me interjecting, at least Nintendo is moving forward with a very consumer-friendly process we haven't seen from them in the past. Um, This is the biggest hardware thing we've seen since the Red Ring, right? Easily. In terms of, like, sending stuff back? Uh, Maybe. I just... I will just say that it's so crazy, man, that it took all these chinks in the armor to finally get them to budge because the Switch has honestly had so many, not major, and I definitely wouldn't say minor, but just so many like solid shitty issues with its hardware, with sync issues on the Joy-Cons, with um, the the bending. Dude, I remember the bending. And oh, like I forgot about that, yeah. How the fucking dock scratches the goddamn screen if you don't have a protector on it. It's like what the fuck are we even talking about here? And remember and when when the sorry to interject, but remember when no, the, please. the console was first being uh, announced and uh, released, we had that discussion, Jordan, where we were like, they're totally getting this out as soon as possible because of the Wii U flopping. Yeah. And it was rushed. I love yeah. my Switch. I know you love yours too, but yeah. it's, it's a rushed piece of hardware, <laughs> obviously. And... I really thought, other than the battery upgrade that the units are about to get, I really thought that they would have done more than that by now. Yeah. Um, in these little tiny things that they do in just, like, changing the copyright number or whatever. Um, the skew, whatever you want to call it. But um, I'm also really surprised that they haven't done fuck all with the user interface. And the store, the way you interact with the console, especially outside of games. So that's really disappointing. Um, It's nice to hear that they are doing this right at this point, but I'm still just so upset with the way that the hardware situation especially has been handled when it comes to the Nintendo Switch. And now it's like, well... We want you to buy a new Nintendo Switch with the light version, you know, and then they're gonna ask for um, not less money like the light, but more money for the Pro. And I swear to God, Jared, if that shit has bullshit dinky hardware problems, especially if they're like calling it a Pro version, oh, I'm gonna blow a gasket, man. Well, the the rumblings right now is that it's gonna be an entirely docked system. Fuck that. No way. I'm staying with the OG. My <laughs> launch, two two weeks after launch, and it's going till the till the day that Switch is no longer <laughs> releasing games, I guess. Uh, that's it for this week's show. Uh, had a pretty tight schedule this week. Sorry about that, guys. Hopefully Dom's back next week as well to join us. In terms of what we're going to be playing, I'm going to be playing some more Super Mario Maker 2, creating some more levels, trying to get through the rest of those 100 Nintendo-created levels. Uh, Madden, I want to test out the Superstar X-Factors, check out playing for the colleges and um, the face of the franchise mode, uh, because by next week, it's a weird EA release thing. So it comes out the second, which is Friday, I think. But since I pre-ordered, I get it three days early. So then that means I'd get it like Tuesday. 
So I'll be able to, yeah, I should be able to play it. <laughs> How to do all the math and figure that out. Um, yeah. Anything else I'm playing? No. Watching. Um, the, the number one movie right now on my watch list is The Farewell, which is... Uh, the stars, I have not uh, heard of it. Stars Aquafina, uh, who's an Asian-American actress. Um, she's been in a bunch of things. She actually was cast in... Crazy Rich Asians, I would say, is what I know her from. Yeah, and she was recently announced, as we talked about Marvel, she's going to be in uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, oh. Maybe she'll play his Will his there be like, any Iron Fist stuff in the Shang-Chi movie? Ooh, that could be a good back way in. I don't know. Iron Fist is in a tough spot right now. Who knows? Sure. Um, so she stars in the movie. It's about her traveling back to, I believe she's Korean, Um she goes back to South Korea to visit her dying grandmother, and it was, it was it's been a hot movie on the festival circuit, getting really good reviews. Um, and Is it an American film? Yeah, it's an American film, um, but it just touches on uh, Asian immigrant culture of these kids growing up in America, but having a lot of their older family back in Japan or China or yeah. Korea and. There's a di- like your family, your extended family isn't right around the corner or in another state. They're an ocean mm-hmm. away, and it kind of touches on that. And that's obviously the movie's called The Farewell. Um, yeah, and it's also it seems like from the trailers and stuff is like a culture shock too of you being part of the culture but so distant from it because you grew up in America and you go back and though you are Korean at heart or you know Chinese or. Or Japanese, you don't feel part of that actual culture. You feel more American, you know what I mean, and kind of struggling with that. Um, looks like a very good film, so excited to watch it. Um, that's it for me. What about you? I'm assuming Fire Emblem, right? Fire Emblem Three Houses. I uh, getting pretty excited for this one. I think that I'm excited for the Fire Emblem aspect. The uh, Game of Thrones Harry Potter mashup aspect, the um, strategy role-playing game aspect, so plenty of stuff to be excited about. The anime aspect, of course, Jared. Butterfly effect. Um, tell me about that. Is well, because mechanic. Well, it's just from what I've read is that like uh, it's you know a lot of the changes changes. I meant to say choices. <laughs> a lot of the choices you make in the game regarding students or characters have yeah. ch- have thing changes that happen for that specific character throughout and can affect yeah. their personality later in the game and actually can cause either strong friend- friendships or like antagonistic uh, behaviors to develop. Mm-hmm. So it's like the butterfly mm-hmm. effect of stuff you do early in the game could affect you 40 hours in, you know. So Jared, Dom missed out because... I'm about to allow you to make a major decision for me. Ooh, okay. Jared, am I playing this game permadeath or not? Your first playthrough... Yep. I would say... It affects the story. I'm putting my, my fucking story in your hands. I think to get the most out of it, it's tough because so if you go permadeath, I think you'll actually engage with the story a lot more, and you'll be forced to right because you're gonna you're gonna start to develop these relationships, and you know it's permadeath. If, you, I'll just say this: throw a little more sauce in the pot. If I'm playing permadeath, I'm not restarting the battle when somebody dies. Yeah, I just 
from everything you've talked about, especially with, like, Wargroove and stuff like that, I know Wargroove, your, more of your issue was doing the damage being hand-in-hand hand with your health and stuff like that. But I do Fuck know the, that. like, the going Fuck over that. the same battle over and over again. Because you yeah. just stated that you're not going to replay them, I think you should go permadeath. I am going permadeath? I think go permadeath, but, Jordan, I'll give you Whoa. this caveat. I'll throw in this caveat. I thought, dude, that was like a twist. I thought you were going to say from what you explained... Yeah. No, permadeath. Well, I up, love it. Up until you said you're not going to repeat them. Because my worry is if you go permadeath but then repeat him, you're just going to be stuck trying to save the character you love, right? And it'll get oh, really frustrating. Yeah. But the fact that you it. said you're not going to, I'll throw in one caveat, though. If okay. if you're early on and you experience something with the permadeath that, like, really bothers you, like, the fact sure. that, like, this is, like, bullshit, like, from oh, a game... Oh, was going to, like, ruin me wanting to play the game. If, like, this is bullshit, then... then Kill it. <laughs> Not your sure. character. <laughs> you know, the permadeath. Uh, yeah. Sure. Is it so awesome. outside of that, anything, any movie? Oh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I want to try to watch that yeah, too. Yeah, I'm about to uh, scoot on over here in a few minutos. Uh, gonna see that. I don't think I'm gonna go see Lion King. Um, I, I don't, I just don't know that I can get on board with these Disney. Uh, live action, I know this isn't technically live action, but the Disney live action remakes, I think that Jungle Book, from the sound of it, that's, I think, the only one I've seen. Uh, maybe, but... Um, well, there's four, right? The there's, of it, that's... there's Cinderella, Jungle Book, Aladdin, and Lion King. I was actually looking on Wikipedia, and there's more than that. There's more than you Well, they, they count Maleficent, but that's not based on There's an actual Cinderella? movie. Cinderella? I said Cinderella, yeah. There's, oh, okay. Um, but they actually did a Jungle Book one in the 90s, and then they did the Dalmatian movies, remember? Yeah, I guess I'm talking more modern. But, yeah, to your point, there has sure, been Sure, since 2010 with, I guess, Maleficent would be 2010. But the, I agree that it, that it is a different era. <laughs> but, but doesn't still, that... Does Maleficent count, though? That's not based on a... Like, there's not an animated Maleficent movie. No, but she, it's, you know, based on Sleeping Beauty, of course. Yeah, and I guess Sleeping it's, Beauty is less interesting. I hear what you're saying. It's not like a, a remake of a previous I think that's film. actually like, a, a better even case. Alice in Wonderland, you know. Yeah, like, if they made Blue instead of Jungle Book, then I think that would be on equal footing with that. But maybe, like, I know people love Maleficent, but maybe it's because it isn't solely based on Sleeping Beauty. It's told from a different perspective, so. See, I haven't seen that, so I didn't, you know. I didn't know that it was that good. I know that Jungle Book is very good, but I just don't. I do think these are kind of cash grabby, you know. And so I'm just kind of like what we were talking about with Marvel Ultimate Alliance being too much money, and you can't just go for it because it's a Marvel game as much as you might want to. Or like the worst DCEU movies, you know. And I love DC, but uh, just because I love The Lion King doesn't mean that I should go in on a what is sounding like a more mediocre movie than not. Not that it totally is. Obviously, I haven't seen it. but um, So I don't think I'll be seeing that. And then, fuck, what comes out? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure about Hobbs and Shaw. I did go through uh, the uh, Fast and Furious in review. Kind of funny. And definitely enjoyed the movies more than I thought I would. But it's not 
certainly not up there with like John Wick where it's like yeah it's a stupid action movie but I still want to go see it in a theater you know it's like it's kind of just a stupid action movie you know yeah Um, so I think I'll probably wait on that but who knows so thank you guys for listening if you can please subscribe to us on YouTube hit the bell so you know when we upload like the video it helps us grow go to iTunes leave us a review there follow the podcast our reviews help get us uh, higher in the algorithm and the placing in terms of the podcast charts so it obviously le- leads towards more f- the algorithm uh, towards more followers there as well which is great on Twitter you can follow us at CTRLINT that's controlled interest abbreviated you can follow me at Jordan underscore you can follow uh, Jordan at Melamotus and you can follow Dom who's not with us at Dom's Oreos rest in peace Dominic who we have lost to the algorithm we'll catch you guys next week <laughs> bye